This is Robbie Herrera, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is Jay Mack, your host. Internationals are over until March. Yes. And what's that coming over the hills? Is it the ha-has? Is it the ha-has? Yes. Join me, the Prince of Stats himself, Matty Arta, and my other co-host, men of his stature and short supply indeed, the man, the legend, the lycra-wearing, cycling-obsessed maniac, it's Morgan Colton. Here to chat about what to expect from our first West London derby of the season. Let's go. Fulham. So here we are, it's QPR time. Which is your biggest favourite derby memory between these two teams? And I'll go to you first, Mr Morgan. Well, obviously the 6-0 is a big one. Uh, I think from a personal memory um, was back in 20... When was it? It was beginning of 2016 and played played them at Loftus Road. And I was coming in with a, a broken ankle. It was fucking freezing. And the uh, it all... as if you're playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of feel like I was, but I didn't have uh, I didn't have a sock on my left foot. I had an open-toed cast, and I was all on right. crutches. And we came to it came to the stand. It was gritted. It was horrible. I was in pain. I was getting grit into my cast. It was the <laughs> grimmest experience pre-kickoff. And then I think by half time we were three 0 up, and it was brilliant. It was, I think it was uh, Michael Maddell's debut or something. Dembele scored and I can't remember who else scored, but it was, uh, yeah, it was an absolute crack of a game. And we were on our feet for the whole whole match. And by the time I got home, I had to pop about sort of six painkillers just to get over the, <laughs> the thing of it. But it was, uh, yeah, that was uh, one that lives in the memory. It was a great one. And, and what about you, Mr. Stato? Nice to finally meet you, sir. What, what are your thoughts? What's your favourite memory of this tie? I don't know why, but the one the one match that sticks out for me was um, the game in the Premier League when Pogrebniak scored for us away at Loftus Road. I don't know why I remember it so well. Like QPR got that red card, and the Pog mm. he was that is like his fifth or sixth goal in a row or something like that. And it kind of just stuck in the memory quite well because then obviously he buggered off over to QPR. There was also the giant six nil back in the Premier League as well. That's a good day. I think was it Andy Johnson that got a hat trick. I believe it was actually yes. Yeah, it was. It was. Not. And yeah, it was just it's just a great day just to tonk them by six. It was just it was just good times. Well, you know what? It's funny you mentioned Pogremniak and uh, Andy Johnson because it's fascinating how many players from Fulham or to Fulham we've had and shared with QPR. I mean, recent former players for both clubs are Matt Smith, Paul Konchesky, Adel Tarat, Andy Johnson, Aaron Hughes, Haider Helgerson, Wayne Routledge, Zesh Rahim, and Lee Cook. I, I find it strange that so many of our players have come to or from QPR. Another player is Bobby Samora, and I just want to get this out of the way with your thoughts on this. Is Bobby Samora a bigger legend for us or for QPO? I think when it comes to club, le- uh, club legends, it's very much in the sort of each set of fans sees a player differently. In our eyes, he's a legend because of the goals he scored in the Europa League to get us to the final. In the eyes of the QPR fans, he's the guy that got them up at Wembley. So it's difficult. I think from his point of view, he would have probably never envisaged playing in a European final from, or maybe he did, he was had a bit of an ego on him. But, you know, scoring at Wembley, an Englishman scoring at Wembley, 
for him, I think he'd probably consider that the best. It was kind of his best moment, maybe. Looking at what he did for us after his initial bumpy start, I'd say, you know, each member of that team that got us to Hamburg is a legend. From that point of view, he's got to be in sort of, you know, annals of history for Fulham. So would he be for QPR? I don't know. Mr. Stato, I'll go to you. I mean, what are your thoughts? Who do you think has the more reason to sing his name louder? Um, well, I think that if I was more, I'd look back at my time at Fulham more fondly than QPR, mainly because I think he was kind of in the form of his life with us, whereas at QPR, he was kind of coming down a bit. I mean, he got his England call up when he was with us. He he was just in prolific form that year for us. Whereas with QPR, yeah, he scored that famous goal for them at Wembley. But other than that, I don't know what he did. And I think a lot of the time he was actually injured and in the reserves towards the end. So I think if I was Zamora, I think Fulham was probably a better time for him. And did he leave because of Mark Hughes or was it something along those lines? I can't quite remember. I think most people um, because of Mark Hughes, didn't they? Yeah. He was too ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> I think ultimately he fell out with the management, which is why he left. And I think if that never would have happened, he would have stuck with Fulham towards the end of his career, probably. I, you know, I think as a fan, he we, we loved him for what he did. Um, we were a bit bitter with the way he left. But, you know, I think he is probably more of a legend at Fulham than QPR on just in the general basis of things. But I guess one of the, just sort of jumping in, I guess we got sort of, you know, he was a legend because of what he did in that season, the Europa League. I think before that, I mean, I I saw him play in a game in Melbourne. I was um, sort of down there while we played some friendlies there. And I just remember sort of, that was at the sort of end of the season where he was just about to join Hull. Or you know, at the in the preseason when he was about to join Hull, but he came down anyway. And the feeling towards him, it was really bad. I mean, he just obviously, you know, just did not sort of get on with the Fulham fans then, and it just took that season, or yeah, it was the season after, I think, wasn't it, uh, where he just you know started getting it together. So it certainly wasn't a um, you know match made in heaven from the outset. So I think he would remember the good times at Fulham, but I imagine he, you know, there might be, you know, a certain level of resentment based on his uh, early days. I don't know. Let's leave Sleeping Dogs live with that one. Let's just quickly talk about the gravitas of this game. Now, Danny has asked me to mention, I think it's a fair point, that this is actually the first time, possibly since the Second World War, that we have gone in this game as two teams on a level playing field. It was all them during the 70s and the 80s, and then it was us rising and becoming a Premier League established team for 13 years and then coming up as we went down. But even our start to the championship, we were always fighting for it and felt like we were in a higher position of higher power, higher ambition anyway. The pendulum has almost swung, but then swung back and swung back again into sort of a neutral level playing field for both teams. And I just would like your thoughts if you think that's the case. It's it's a big game, of course, just uh, mainly because of where both teams are at this point in the league. I think, you know, if you look at it pre-season, you would have thought that Fulham probably were the better team, the bigger team. We'd just come down, we have the better squad. QPR have been a bit kind of left adrift in the championship for a few years now uh, they've gone through manager after manager you can argue that they're kind of punching above their weight whilst we're kind of punching below our way at the moment but yeah definitely for the first time in a while this is the first time when two of us both of us kind of competing for the same thing which is promotion yeah and punching above their weight let's talk about how well they've started actually in this season in the championship mark warburton the manager ghost of west <laughs> west london derby pass obviously ex-brentford as well i mean i have actually a confession to make about mark warburton i actually thought it was originally him 
in those um, Warburton bread adverts to begin with because they look kind of similar, which is mad. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Warburton, um, a good shout, wasn't he? I mean, he's obviously done damage to us before as a Brentford manager as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think wherever he's been, aside from Forrest, and you know, you can't judge a lot of managers who have uh, not had a great time there. He is a really good manager. It's hard not to like him, despite the teams who he's managed. And so it's quite interesting to see what he's doing there, because it's not a ple- easy place to manage. The ownership is a bit all over the place. But I think he's his former career as a uh, you know, stockbroker in the city... I think that probably gives him a certain level of not intelligence, but sort of level-headedness, maybe single-mindedness to sort of be able to handle ownership like that, because you're going to be dealing with sort of those kind of guys uh, in the city day in, day out. So I don't think anything would phase him. And so it's just let himself immerse himself in the football and just deal with that. What he's done at QPR is, you know, it's pretty impressive. I mean, they're not pushing for promotion, but they are looking like they're half decent. In all fairness to him, I think he's done a good job. So it will be um, it will be a good match, I think. I think it's going to be pretty tight. The stats actually say, as we'll get to a bit sooner on, that QPR like to score a lot of goals, but they also like to concede a lot of goals. So this could be very swashbuckly. Can you see Tom Kearney returning to this game? Providing he's fit, I would expect him to come back in the starting eleven, especially with the absence of Mitrovic. You would kind of expect Bobby Reid to go forward and Tom Kenny to sit behind him. That's what I'd like to see um, on Friday anyway. If he's still injured, then we could be in a bit of a selection dilemma. Mm. Probably have to see AK-47 come into the team or something, which... Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Am I the only one who thinks that AK deserves a start? I am on my own, aren't I? Yeah. 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 Okay. Fine. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I see where you're maybe from. not. I maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I well, no, Stato sees where I'm coming from. Stato, speak. Yeah, I, I kind of get where you're coming from. I mean... Love him or hate him, he, he'll do something. He might score an overhead kick. Who knows? It's it's the Abbey Lottery. <laughs> he wouldn't connect with an overhead kick. We all know that. <laughs> well, the great thing, he doesn't know either. I mean, yeah. and uh, what do you think about let the position of left back? It seems that Joe Bryan has had, a, a bank, I think, three sessions back in training now. So potentially he's back. Now, Tim Ream has been doing well at left back, funnily enough, for the USA, but he might be playing Wednesday night against Cuba. It depends how much they want to get above Canada in the group table. Um, can you see Morgan uh, Ream potentially missing this game? And if so, how would you change the back four, providing that Joe Bryan is playing? Um, I think what you'll end up seeing is just uh, Lamarchon uh, slotting in. But isn't um, he injured as well? If we got any confirmation? Oh, because, yeah, that? he got taken off, didn't he? I don't know he how did. bad the injury was. In which case, you'd probably get a doy going in with Mawson and mm. then Cyrus playing right back. Because I think he did I'm himself, glad you said you know, that. Yeah, I'm, I have a lot of time for Cyrus Christie. I mean, he knows what he's doing there. If you have him and you have Brian on the left, you've got a bit of balance there, which you may not have if you're sort of having to sort of switch it around quite a bit. Because it is a big game. And I think we need someone who's played in this kind of, at this level before. Uh, just to sort of come in and just, as much as he can, steady the ship there. I'm just trying to think it all out. So if Ream does play against Cuba on Wednesday, he may not play Friday. If Lamarche he'd have to come back. He'd have to get a very yeah. late flight back and then have no rest at all, you know? I mean, he's a great pro, but he is getting on a bit, so it would yeah. be pushing it if he did play. If Lamarchian's out injured, and as is Brian, I guess you'd go for Cyrus at right back. Mawson and McDonald at centre back, I guess, and then Ooh, yeah, that could work. Doy at left back. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want to see. It. Or do, or do we go three five two? 
Well, well, I mean, well, that's a formation that uh, QPR actually like to use. And um, that's something <clears> I was going to get onto later. They're very strong in the 3 5 2 with Hugo and uh, Naki Wells up top. But uh, potentially McDonald could come in. One of, one of the, um, the issues with playing McDonald is that he's not overly mobile. And this easy guy that's playing for QPR and Naki, is it Naki Wells who's playing there as well? You know, they're, yeah. they're fairly quick players. If you have yeah. those two, up against a aging and you know not particularly mobile McDonald, you, there's going to be issues, and they would certainly get in behind him. And we know Mawson isn't particularly quick; he's a bit more aware of you know sort of defensive uh, duties. But I think you know it would we're leaving ourselves open to a lot of trouble if we have mm. uh, McDonald back there. You know, no disrespect to McDonald, I just think he's a better holding midfielder than he is a centre back. Who would you have in the midfield for this game, Mister Stetter? Ooh, well, it'd be the midfield three, Kenny in front, and uh, I'd stick with Steph, Joe, and Reed probably. Steph, Joe, he has been playing bad. I, I kind of he gives something that neither Reed nor Arta can provide, and I think Harrison Reed's been playing better than Arta lately. So you know, I wouldn't change that midfield three at all, to be honest. All right, and, and seeing as we're all going to the game, how about we all do a shot of something absolutely disgusting if uh, Bobby Reed actually scores in a centre-forward position? <laughs> it's about time he scored a couple of goals. But obviously, I don't think we can complain that Knockout and Cavalera will be in their winger roles or inverted winger mm-hmm. roles. I disagree with Steph, Joe, by the way. Oh, no, go on. Well, tell me why. Tell well, me just why. Going... <laughs> just going back to Steph, Joe. I mean, okay, I think he's done. he's done okay, actually. I mean, I... I was just thinking that I disagreed with it. One one thing I do have an issue with that everyone seems to love is his shithousery. And I'm getting really bored of it. And I, if I see too much more of it, I'm just like, this is, this, it's just driving me nuts. It's just like, it just shows, uh, you know, it's not, it's not good. I think, you know, it's a, everyone laughs at it. It's like, but one day a referee just going to go, you know what? There is a red card. Five minutes left in the game without a 10 men because he's decided that, you know, he doesn't know how to tackle or he's just being a, dick or whatever but i'm just like you're such a talented footballer stop doing that if you're gonna take someone out just i mean rather than do that just leave it to a center back to tidy up and uh, you may think oh i've got no choice whatever but i just like it's i just find it really fucking annoying (laughs) it was funny the first couple of times but yeah now i've moved on i actually see a lot of people you know the only thing we a lot of people enjoyed about the whole City game was a really Steph Joe tackle he made on one of their players. It was like, yes, that's great. But actually, you think about it. If one of those players' legs breaks or career ends, you actually, all the, everyone in the in the crowd just says, oh, we, we didn't want that. You know, it's, it's a bit, oh, that's a bit much, isn't it? That's how <laughs> I used to tackle. And there was a reason I tackled like that. It's because I was dog shit. Well, look, I tell you what, uh, let's lighten the mood. Um, Morgan, do you know what my <laughs> favorite type of champagne is? No, J-Mac, what is your favourite type of champagne? Statinger. So we're going to go through some stats right now. <laughs> Both teams have scored in 12 of 16 games. So there's been hardly any clean sheets between these two, as I said earlier. So it'll be very, very swashbuckly. Fulham have drawn four out of the last eight fixtures, and we have drawn two and lost two. Uh, the last meeting was back in March 2018. I actually remember them beating us at the Cottage in October 2016, which they broke the record uh, for their first win at the Cottage since 1980. That was a dark day indeed. But mm-hmm. I'll just go to I'll go to you, Mr. Stato. I mean, you're, these are your stats after all. Is there anything that's really screaming out of you from these stats? They're currently in 10th place, which is quite high. They've won seven and they've lost six and drawn three. 
Um, the most alarming thing is that they're tenth, they're batting for the playoffs, but they've still conceded more than they've scored. You know, they've only they've scored twenty six, which is a kind of healthy amount, but they've conceded mm. thirty. They haven't kept a clean sheet at all this season. You know, which is something we should definitely look out for. But obviously, at the same time, we're without Mitrovic, who's kind of scored a over half our goals, which isn't ideal going into a match like this. Four out of seven of their wins have come away from home. So, you know, they games they have won, more have come away from home, which is a bit alarming for us. However, they have lost five out of the six games against them, against teams that are currently above them in the league. You know, their wins have only kind of come against the lower championship teams. I know the table's kind of still in a big flux at the moment. Things change because everything's still quite tight, but they still haven't won a match against a team above them. You know, the teams that you expect to be up there towards the end of the season. Interestingly enough, in away games, 78% of their goals come in the second half. So going into this game, we can kind of expect them to do nothing in the first half and come at us in the second half and test our defence. I want to say we're going to keep a clean sheet, but I'm honestly not optimistic. In away games, they have also 78% of their goals in the second half. It means a high percentage of games where they concede the goals first. So, you know, 71% of their away games, they concede first, which is a great sign for us. Fully expecting us to take advantage of that and AK-47 score that overhead kick within the first 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh God, don't, yeah, don't, don't set Morgan <laughs> off. But I mean, Morgan, I mean, are there any players that you feel like we should be watching out for in this game? I mean, I'm having a look here, other than the fact that a goalkeeper's called Joanna Lumley. That's quite funny. But other than that, is there, is there anything, is there anything else that we should be seriously watching out for? I mean, it seems like the ghosts of a lot of championship scorers past have come to haunt us here. Not just the manager. So you've got Narky Wells, who did wonders for Huddersfield. And you've got Jordan Hugill, who was very good for Preston North End. I mean, he's really crept back up to form again and found his feet, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he was one of those players that he came to, you know, he had quite sort of uh, a big reputation. Didn't, didn't quite do it. And now he's back with a team where he is doing it. He went to Preston from somewhere else, didn't he? He was at Preston and then West Ham signed him. And then oh, he did that's nothing. right. Yeah. So maybe he's just, you know, maybe his level is sort of championship at the moment. But sometimes, you know, if players feel out of their depth mentally, then it'll affect their game. If he's come to a team where he feels comfortable, then he'll show some of the form that encouraged the Premier League team to sign him. So I think you've got you to watch out for players like that. And I think what, he's got like seven goals this season. You know, combine that easy, uh, his six goals and, you know, a few assists. There, there is trouble there. I think, you know, we've got to rely on the fact that their defence is pretty poor. So hopefully, you know, with despite having Mitro out, which, you know, you never know when things like this happen, it might just bring a bit more balance to our attack. Yeah. Still scoring um, absolute beauties for Serbia as well. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's, just, he's just all round good, isn't he, really? But he's, it's going to be that front line of Reed, Nocart and Cavalero. And that's kind of a very similar front three. So I think, you know, rather than having that target man that Mitro offers, it will just be quite sort of fast-flowing football. So that'll be going to see how they sort of interchange and um, how the QPR defence puts up with it. Well, Narky Wells averages 1.9 shots per game and uh, Bobby Reed averages 1.7. It really goes to show what happens when you take your chances. I know it's just 0.2 less than Wells there, but hopefully Bobby Reed can start the start to actually get his name on the bloody score sheet. Stato, is there anyone else you got your eye on in this game or shall we move the fuck on? I highlighted a few defenders, but the defence has been awful. So, you know, it's not really worth highlighting. Just pointing out really that it'll be interesting to see how we get on without Mitro. I can't remember the last game that Mitro didn't play, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think he nearly played every game in the Prem for us. Every He's played every, every game since he's joined us. 
so it'll be it'll be interesting to see um i'm kind of hoping it works out because you know I, i'd like to have the reassurance that we do have a plan b if meteor were to ever have a longer absence um absolutely you know we going for left field shout of having steph joe up as the false nine as what it was a few years ago under slav <laughs> oh, <laughs> never forget was it wasn't slav taking the piss when you did that like officially uh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a, that was kind of a, a statement more than anything, wasn't it? I think a lot of people forget Slav was no saint. Do you know what I mean? He he could be an no. absolute troll at times. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let's have your score predictions. Let's have your score predictions right now. Morgan, tell me what they are. I'm gonna go for three one Fulham. Three one Fulham. Okay. And for you, Mr. Stato. I mean, in my in my true name and nature, based on the stats, this should be a high-scoring game. And I hope it is, because they're all due to be up there. So, you know, we want to see goals, mainly Fulham goals. So, I'm going to say 4-2 Fulham. 4-2 Fulham, very good. I'm going to say 4-3 Fulham. I think it's going to be an absolute Wild West game. I think it's going to be a red card. I don't know where. And QPR playing blue, so I'm almost certain we'll win this one. And Parker can rest easy for another week. But I'm going to play one last game for you. I've just invented this last minute. I'm going to play Shag, Marry, Avoid with you. But instead of Shag, Marry, Avoid, I've turned it into Beat, Relegate, or Not Worth the Time. And I'd like you to play this game out of Brentford, QPR and Chelsea out of the teams of West London that we hate the most. So the game is beat, relegate or not worth the time. Which one for which team? You go first, Mr. Morgan. Uh, I'm going to go... Beat Brentford. Yeah, beat Brentford, relegate QPR, Chelsea for me. Okay. And for you, Mr. Stato. Um... Beat QPR, relegate Brentford, and yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you both said that because, I mean, I, until we actually find ourselves established in the Premier League for another 13 years, I think we can just uh, forget about Chelsea for a little while. Of course, they're still our rivals, but Brentford and QPR is everything. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Now, the Riverside, guys, is fully knocked down now, so stay warm. I mean, we're all at the game on Saturday, I believe. Friday. It's a film focus. <laughs> it's a Friday game. Oh, yes. Friday night, it's, it's remember? Full, okay, we're, we're, we're all there on Friday, I believe. Yeah, That's it's right. yeah. fucking freezing. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely freezing. Um, yeah. Actually, Stato and I are sitting next to each other. I'm giving my mate's ticket to him, so we're going to be sitting there with lovely carrots and hummus. It's going to be great. Yeah, wrap up or drink yourself until you can't feel a thing. <clears throat> Frenchie. All right, guys. Well, thank you to my co-host. Thank you very much indeed. So if you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Facebook. We've got our own website. You can hear all our interviews on there. See you soon. And hopefully with three points in the bag after QPR. Thank you. Fulham.